As you have gathered, we'll be talking about spiritual milk. We'll be talking about milk this morning. And as we begin talking about milk, let me invite you to take a peek at a slide up. Here's some of the benefits of milk. So young people, children, here's some benefits. Healthy teeth, we talked about that, didn't we? Uh, benefits of milk, uh, healthy bones, uh, enhanced hydration, uh, also building muscles, yeah, a glowing skin, lower cancer risk, and weight loss. Hmm. All right, good deal. So that is the benefits of milk. And if you're curious and wondering, here are the benefits of camel's milk, okay? <laughs> I know you're not interested, but camel's milk, if it comes across it someday, it boosts your immune system, helps prevent anemia, aids in preventing diabetes, uh, prevents autoimmune disorders. Probably we should be drinking camel's milk, really, probably, don't you think? But anyhow, that's just for your entertainment. You can see it there. But we're talking about spiritual milk, all right? Well, last week, let's back up a little bit. Last week, we were talking about being born again, and there's a tie there with last week's message about being born again, and this morning's message regarding spiritual milk. There is a tie. We need to review a little bit about last week's message. Last week, our topic was a born again, and born again is one of those Christian words that we use, and what does it mean? Well, born again simply means trusting in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, okay? When you finally realize in your life that you can't get to heaven on your own efforts, and you realize that you need Jesus Christ because He's the one that died for your sins, and therefore you place your trust and dependence upon Him, when you do that, something supernatural happens in your life. You become born again. You become a new creature. In fact, here's what 2 Corinthians 5.17 says. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. He is born again, if you will. The old has gone, and the new has come. Okay? So when we talk about born again, we're just talking about being a follower of Jesus Christ. When you place your faith and trust in Jesus, you become born again. So as we talked about that, I shared two, with you two facets or two facts regarding being a Christian or being born again. The first thing I shared with you last week was this. Salvation is instantaneous, all right? When you place your faith in Jesus Christ, instantly you become part of His family, okay? When you trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, instantly God places the Holy Spirit within you. When you become a follower of Jesus Christ... Instantly, your sins are forgiven. When you trust Jesus, instantly you receive eternal life. So there's an aspect of salvation that takes place immediately. God does something supernaturally in you and for you at that very moment. So you're saved. You belong to Jesus Christ. You belong in God's family. That's the first thing regarding salvation. It's instantaneous. Secondly, what we talked about is salvation is a reality to be pursued. All right? A reality to be pursued. In other words, now that we are saved, Jesus has done a work in our life, 
We need to live that out. We need to pursue Him, if you will. We need to grow in our faith and become more spiritually mature. Here's what Second, uh, excuse me, Second Peter three eighteen says: "But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior." Jesus Christ. So we are to grow. In fact, that is a responsibility that God has placed upon you when it comes to the Christian life. God did the work of saving you. Now God has placed an expectation or a responsibility on your life that you grow in your faith and knowledge of Jesus Christ. Okay? The fancy word that we use to describe this growing and maturing in faith is discipleship. That's the fancy Christian word, discipleship. In fact, we have shared with you that that's one of the values of harvest. So if you look to your left on the wall there, you'll see the values of harvest. And right in the middle, the red banner says that we as a church value discipleship. What that means is this harvest is uh, very, very interested and very concerned about you growing in your faith. We as a church want to see you become a disciple of Jesus, grow in your faith. So that's what this whole idea of growing is about, being a disciple, and it's called discipleship. Well, today's passage of study reveals four steps that we can take towards this growth, uh, four steps that we can take in becoming a disciple of Jesus. And they're listed for us in second, or excuse me, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. So let's take a look at... Uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. And what I would like you to do this morning is, uh, rather than me just read it to you, would you join me? Let's out loud together read this passage of just three verses. But let's, uh, let's read it together. So let's begin with me. Ready? Here we go. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies crave spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. All right, thank you. Well, that's our passage that we're studying. And again, in this passage, it's talking about growing in your faith. Um, it's talking about you maturing as a follower of Jesus Christ. You don't want to remain a baby. That's not a good thing. It's a good place to start, but you do not want to remain a spiritual infant, a spiritual baby. That's not a good thing. And to move from being a baby in the faith to someone who is maturing, being a disciple, that's your job, okay? That's been placed as, on you as your responsibility. But here in 1 Peter chapter 2, we find four steps that we can take that will help us mature in our faith. So let's look at it. There's four of them, and they come right out of that passage. Here's step number one. We are instructed. It's a command. In fact, this, ver this particular word is in what we call the imperative tense. What does that mean? That just means imperative in the Greek means command. So we have a command here in verse 1, and that command is rid yourselves. Okay? It's not a suggestion. Peter, the author here, says, you guys need to rid yourselves. It's a command. Rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Rid yourselves. It's a command. Now, here's something interesting. Rid yourselves means to take off your dirty 
and filthy clothing. That's what it means to rid yourself. Take off your dirty clothes. Get rid of them. No doubt in your life, uh, in your lifetime, either your mother or perhaps even your wife uh, caught you marching into the house with dirty shoes, dirty boots on, right? And what does she say to you? She says, stop, take those dirty, filthy shoes off. You're not going to track that through my house, right? You've been there, right? Well, that's the idea behind rid yourselves. You know, God is saying in His Word, I want you to take off your dirty boots, your dirty shoes. Rid yourselves. Take it off. Don't go traping through life carrying this particular garbage. And what is that garbage? Well, He lists five things that we are to get rid of. Here's the dirty clothing that God says we need to depart with. All right? So let's look at it. Number one, He says you need to get rid of, and because if you don't get rid of these, these will stunt your spiritual growth. Okay, let me just say that once again. If you don't deal with these five things that we're talking about in your life, if you don't deal with them but, ex- but decide to kind of live with them or ignore them, it's going to stunt your growth. So here are the five things. Here are the, here's the dirty clothing that we are to get rid of. Number one is malice. It says get rid of malice. Malice is a, a general term for evilness. Get rid of your evilness. And, you're think, and if you're thinking, well, I'm not too evil, the Bible says in the book of Jeremiah that the heart is deceitfully wicked, and who can truly understand it? And that verse is just telling us, hey, don't be deceived. You're not as good as you think, all right? So there is wickedness within us, so we've got to deal with it. Here's number two. It says, get rid of your deceit. Your deceit. And what I learned about this particular word that I want to share with you, I think it's pretty cool. Deceit means uh, a baited fish hook. Okay, are you with me now? Deceit, a baited fish hook. And we know what happens when you go for the bait and there's a hook in it, right? You get caught. You get caught. So that's what deceit means. It's a desire to help oneself, but there's a catch, all right? There's a desire to help yourself when you're deceitful, and there's a catch. You're trying to advance your situation, your cause, and you're not totally upfront about whatever suggestion you have made. There's an ulterior motive, okay? So we have a bait and hook taking place. That's deceit. Number three says you need to deal with your hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is just being two-faced. Okay, we see someone on Sunday... They're praising the Lord and talking very spiritual. Then the rest of the week, they live like, uh, like hell, is what they say, right? So you guys know what I'm talking about. That's hypocrisy. All right. Uh, number four, envy. Envy. Envy is desiring what we do not possess. That's the envy, okay? You don't have it yet, and you want it. And so you're thinking, how can I get that? In fact, you're thinking, you know, that person doesn't deserve it. You know, I know that person. They're not that good. Why do they have something like that? That's just unfair. Okay, there's the envy. You're desiring what you do not possess. You don't have it yet. So you got this attitude about you. And then number five is slander. Okay, slander. And I think you understand slander. It's, uh, it's running down. 
you run it down, and there's intentionality involved here. And if you look at our passage of Scripture here, if you have a copy, it says, slander of every kind. So we can run down verbally many ways. Many ways we can do it. So number one, rid yourself. So we're talking about steps to maturity. God says, I want you to crave, the, crave this true spiritual milk. Uh, so first of all, we've got to rid ourselves of some garbage. We've got to take off those dirty clothes. The second one here, and again, this is a command as well. It's in the imperative. The second command is contained in verse 2, and it says this, like newborn babies, and here's the command, crave pure spiritual milk. Crave pure spiritual milk. Now, the author uses an analogy of a newborn baby in this verse. Uh, milk is essential for the baby's survival. So, crave this spiritual milk. But what I want you to notice about this spiritual milk, it says, crave not just any kind of milk, but crave pure spiritual milk, is what it says. Crave pure spiritual milk. And the word that is translated pure means no additives. That's what it means, no additives. It's uncontaminated. It's pure. Now, I'm going to just share with you a thought here. Perhaps the reason for such a command to crave pure spiritual milk, perhaps the reason for that is because we read a lot of things written about the Bible instead of reading the Bible itself. We have a tendency to read a lot of things about the Bible and not the Bible itself. Now, I want you to understand, I'm not condemning the numerous devotionals that are written for our betterment. There's a lot of good devotionals out there. In fact, I've used devotionals myself. Uh, but here's what we've got to know. A devotional cannot take the place of God's Word. Okay? Devotional can't take the place of God's Word. So our exhortation from Peter here to help us grow from being a baby to more of a mature adult, he's, he says this, I want you to crave God's Word, all right? Not the devotionals, not what people have written about it. I want you personally to invest in the pure. Get into God's Word and just read it. That's what He wants us to do. Okay? So that's what He says. Crave it. The command is crave it. Go after it. Go after it. Number three here. Here's the third thing in helping us grow in our maturity. Uh, the third step in this process is just simply grow, and that's coming from verse 2. Uh, like newborn babies, Peter says, crave spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. And here this particular verse is, uh, again, adding credence to this, to the beginning of our, our time together, our message. Remember I said salvation is something that happens instantaneously, right? You are placed in God's family. But salvation is also something that you are to pursue. You have a responsibility to grow in your faith and knowledge of Jesus Christ. And here, in verse 2, we see that. Crave this spiritual milk so that by it you may grow 
in your salvation. Okay, so we have a responsibility to grow. Now, God, He is willing to assist us in our spiritual development. And that's why He gave the Holy Spirit. So we, He does not leave us as orphans, if you will. He has equipped us. He has given us what is needed for success. And that is the Holy Spirit. Listen to these words from 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Okay? So verse 3 there is just telling us, we have what we need to be successful. We've been equipped. However, success is not automatic. Success takes work, and that work is your responsibility. Okay? That's your job. To grow. Your job is to crave. Your job is to get rid of the dirty clothes. That's your job. Here's number four. Again, part of our job. We're, we're supposed to taste. We're in verse three here. We are exhorted to grow up in our salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. That's an interesting passage. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Psalm 34, verse 8, encourages with these words. It says this, Taste, see that? Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man or the woman who takes refuge in Him. So the exhortation, the encouragement here is taste. Now the question that I asked myself is this. How does one taste the Lord? How do you taste Him? It appears from the Bible passage here that tasting is part of growing in one's faith. So how do you taste God? How do you taste the Lord? Well, I believe the answer is this. We taste God when we exercise faith. When you cast dependence off of self and you place your dependence on God, which is faith, you are tasting. At least you're setting yourself up to taste and see that God is good. Let's take an example. Let's take an example. In Malachi, in the book of Malachi, God challenged the Israelites to be faithful in their giving. God says, I want you to bring the tithe and give it to me. And the reason he's asking them to do this is because the Israelites have fallen off their responsibility and they're not doing it. And so God comes to the Israelites because they're not giving their tithes and offerings. And he says, I want you to give. And here's what Malachi 3 says. God says this, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And look, listen to this. And God says, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. Test me and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. So what is happening here in this passage? The Israelites are given an opportunity to taste the Lord. They're given an opportunity to exercise their faith 
and see if God really means what he says. And so they've given this opportunity to test. God says, Israel, I want you to be faithful in your giving. I want you to be be faithful in your giving, so please give. And when you give, God says, I will provide. I will bring blessing into your life. And then God says, those words test. In other words, try me. God says, try me. Okay? Give to me and see if I will bless you. Try it out. Exercise your faith and try me and see what happens. And so when Israel did give like God was expecting and desiring of them, their socks were blessed off, okay? I mean, they experienced prosperity. They experienced greatness. But they would not have enjoyed those benefits and those, those blessings and the fruit if they would not have tasted, okay? If they would not have tried out the faith, if they wouldn't have done that, they wouldn't experience, you know, God at that time. So I think tasting here, part of growing as a Christian is that we taste God. God says, cast all your cares upon me, for I care for you. Okay, there's a scripture passage. Does God really mean that? The only way we're going to find out if God really means that is if we taste, if we actually exercise our faith. And so when we take God for his word and say, I'm going to do it, you are tasting And God, He never fails us. He always shows up. And when we see God showing up, taking care of us, our faith grows. Juliet, can I pick on you? Juliet was asked to taste and see if God would provide for her regarding her passport. And we've been praying. We prayed that things would go well, things would go smoothly. I guess really the only hiccup was The plane was late, right? But other than that, everything fell into place. But Juliet's faith is not what it was yesterday or the day before because she tasted, she trusted, and she experienced God's blessing and goodness. So that's how we grow. Peter says, I want you to taste. God says it. Exercise your faith. Taste. And it's through the tasting you find God's goodness. And here's just kind of a side note. What, what do we know about tasting? Well, if it's no good, we know, hey, I'm not going to go after that again, right? But if the tasting is good, what happens? Hey, I want two, three, four, five, six donuts, not just one donut that I've tasted, right? I mean, that's the way God's goodness is. And each time we taste of God's goodness, His provision, His care, man, we've, we've moved in our faith, haven't we? We sure have. We're getting closer. Huh? We believe God can move mountains, but after we've tasted, oh, yeah, he can move mountains. We men at uh, the men's retreat saw, oh, some awesome stuff. You know, we saw a relationship restored where a father and son got up and the son forgave his dad for whatever it was and, uh, oh, It just made tears in your eyes. They tasted. God says, forgive. God says, trust me. God says, love one another. Okay, God, you tell me that? I'm going to taste it. I'm going to exercise my faith. And uh, 
Things are not the same in that gentleman's or that father's life anymore. But it came when he tasted. So here in Peter, we're talking about growing in our faith. It's our responsibility. God does the initial work. He saves you. You become part of his family, and nothing's ever going to change that aspect. I mean, God will keep his word. You're in my family, God says. Even if you mess up, you're still my son. You're still my daughter. But one of the things I want of you as my son and daughter is I want you to move from being a spiritual baby to a mature adult. And how do we do that? Well, he says, you know, there's some things in our life that we need to get rid of. That's what he says. Dirty clothes, got to get rid of them, he says. Then he says, I want you to crave spiritual milk. You know, our growth comes from this. We got to invest in God's word, okay? There's the purity, God's word. It's not the devotional, though they're good. Crave the pure spiritual milk, he says. Then he says, I want you to grow. He says, Peter tells us in his divine power, God has given us everything for life and for godliness. We've been set up for success. So, therefore, let's apply that and grow. And then lastly, he says, taste it. And I am submitting to you that I believe this tasting is, you know, exercising your faith. God said it. I'm going to bite on it. I'm going to take it, you know, I'm going to do it, see what he has to say. And it's through that tasting, through that trust, exercising your faith, God shows up and does some neat things. And you move from being a spiritual baby, you know, on the road to maturity. So, grow in your faith, the Lord says. Let's pray. God, I want to thank you once again for being with us this morning as we studied your word. And Lord, first and foremost, thank you that you took the initiative. You got the ball rolling. You did everything that was necessary for our salvation. Lord, now help us through the power of your Holy Spirit that indwells each one of us. Help us to move from point A to point B in our spiritual life. Lord, help us take responsibility to grow and become that mature believer that you desire of us. And Lord, thank you that you've equipped us to do that. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.